Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. I've been diving deep into some great firecrackery work out there and I want to take this time to give a couple of shout outs of people doing shows or creating things online because you know what? It's not easy and I really commend people for staying creative. One of my friends, Ayaka Kinagawa, she's so delightful, she's so funny. She works a lot as a musical director in the improv world through Second City and Bad Dog in Toronto and uh, she's just fantastic. She was part of a panel I did a long time ago uh, with the Second City folks and she started her own show called Ayaka's Kitchen. It's on YouTube, go check it out. Uh, she makes sushi with friends and it's really fun. I mean, I love sushi so you could just like, I just like watching how it's made. I could watch that for hours. Like whenever I go to a sushi restaurant, I always sit at the bar because I love, love seeing it made. But she sort of like thinks outside the sushi roll in this case. So go check her out, Ayaka's Kitchen. The other gal that I have to give a shout out is Celeste Picoche. I have known of Celeste for a long time through the Second City world because she's from Chicago and I was from Toronto. And um, people kept saying, you gotta meet Celeste, you gotta meet Celeste. And so I did, because I recorded an interview with her coming up. You'll know her from Work in Progress, which is this amazing show. And we've got news on that too coming up. So if you aren't following Celeste on Twitter, you're missing out. It's C-P-E-C-H-O-U-S. Celeste Picoche. Go and check her out. Those are my firecracker shout outs for the day. Ayaka's Kitchen and Celeste Picoche. If you have a suggestion for a firecracker shout out, send it my way. At firecrackerdept is where you'll find me. All right, stand by. Our guest on the podcast today, oh boy, is writer, actor, producer, director, funny person, Kay Cannon. What? Kay freaking Cannon, everybody. Oh my goodness, it's Kay Cannon. And she's just, I mean, she's not just an absolute powerhouse. She's like, driven and smart and kind and inventive and inclusive. And again, it's funny because I would speak to various firecrackers on this show and a lot of them are like, you know who really gave me a leg up was Kay Cannon. So it was an absolute treat because I truly believe, I say this in the podcast, but I truly believe people like her are changing our community to being more inclusive and being more supportive and just helping each other, which, you know, that's my jam. You know Kay as the writer of the wildly successful and super fun Pitch Perfect franchise. I'm very excited, obviously. Actually, do you know what? She got her first job as a TV writer from her friend, Tina Fey. Oh, just my buddy, Tina Fey. Uh, when she worked on 30 Rock, you know, you look to your circle and who are the people that are supporting you? And boy, if you have Tina Fey in your corner, I think you're doing pretty great. Since then, she has written for New Girl, Christella, the ESPY Awards, and she created, wrote, and produced the Netflix series Girl Boss, where she met her producing partner, Laverne McKinnon. A match made in heaven. You know, look what they're doing together. They run a production company together called K&L Productions, set up to tell underserved stories in comedy and drama, right? It's Firecracker Jam. These are our people. 
We love to see this so much. Her newest gig has her writing and directing because she's an overachiever in the best way possible. And it's the upcoming musical comedy, a feature film reimagining Cinderella, starring Camila Cabello and Adina Menzel. Um, she's got Billy Porter in there, Missy Elliott, an amazing cast of just stars. I mean, seriously, it's her second directing job and it's Cinderella. Her first directing job was um, that hilarious comedy Blockers in 2018, which I also loved. And I think it's safe to say that Cinderella is just like on a whole new level and scale of filmmaking. Like I was talking to her because she got interrupted because of COVID from the um, filming of Cinderella. I, I, I'm really curious to see how the second chapter goes because they had to take this break. And can you imagine filming a bunch and then having to just stop production and then pick it up months and months later. So, and I'm really curious about how they are picking it back up uh, during these COVID times. Um, Kay also got her start in Second City, just like me, but she was in Chicago. And so she's just funny. She's one of those people you meet and you'd be like, oh, I just want to hang out with you forever because she's fantastic. And while we were talking, I could see her, her little girl in the background of the Zoom call twirling and dancing. And I was like, you know, you're doing something right as a mom if your kid's dancing, right? She just looked really happy. Anyway, we got into all the things. Second City, we got into Cinderella, we got into comedy, uh, we got into all of it. And I'm so grateful that she spent some time with us. So let's get to it. So now do you feel like, like with all these conversations, you're able to go like, okay, I just have to dive in and go back and shoot because you figured out a way of quarantining the cast and crew? Well, that's what, you know, we'll figure out like, and the studio, the last thing a studio wants is for people to start back up again and get sick. Like you right. can't, you don't want that. So it's like, what steps, you know, everyone will get tested. There'll be nobody on set that's positive, obviously, or whatever. And then I think, I think there's a whole testing element and then how we, you know, keep people safe. Mm -hmm. um, what I have been told and, you know, anything can change is that if you are somebody who works with different, cause you'd be basically put into pods. Yeah. Like it'll be like camera people pod and the, you know, um, set deck pod and, you know, and then like, but if you're someone who goes, who has to talk to every department, like a director or first AD or line producer, um, I think you have to wear a hazmat suit. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> It's like so, ET. We're living in ET. I mean, I think, who knows, you know, but you're really protected because you have to be. Like, you, if, yeah. if the director goes down, that's it's kind of game over. And I have no interest in wanting to go down. No um, and, um, and, and so the, it brings me kind of a little bit of comfort. And at the same time, I, I do the way I direct, like I'm in it, you know, I'm like, I'm shouting things from, you know, like I, I don't, I'm not a director who's like, has like a curtain around yeah, right. and just keeps separate, you know, yeah. like I, I'm, I'm, I, I run in, I talk with the directors I'm with, I'm like basically kind of performing with the director, yeah. with the actors. Um, and, um, and then I'm doing a musical. So it's just like, it's, it's intense. There's a lot. So the idea of me being in this suit and like running in a suit to like kind of go. <laughs> I mean, the pictures will be. Comedy has found like, you again. Like you don't even have to look anywhere. You just have to look in a mirror. You'd be like, oh, there's that comedy again. Right. And if it's not funny, then I should get out of. <laughs> <laughs> it 
if that yeah. image alone doesn't work, then I don't know. You're like, actually, that's a good look for you, Kay. I think <laughs> not everybody can pull off a hazmat suit, but you, mwah. Man. Now, do you, I, I have a feeling you've got the um, workaholism gene. For sure. And we, my husband and I were trying to do like, when was the last time I actually took a day off? Like a, like a for real, you yeah. know, like even my vacation, like, cause we vacation here and stuff like that. And even when I've been here, like I'll read scripts or, you know, whatever, yeah. like I, mine doesn't turn off. Yeah. Um, and we, we realized it was like 17 years ago, like wow. where I actually did like a proper, uh, like had days off. Um, and but you don't need that, obviously. Like, do you, when you hit a breaking point, do you're like, I'm just going to read a different kind of script as a holiday? <laughs> I think that like when we left from the UK to come here and um, I had been on set with people like who, would, you know, we had, we had filmed up to the 13th of March. And so there was those two weeks where um, you know, you're looking to, you're wondering, you know, you know uh, am I going to get sick? Yeah. And that really plays in my, um, flaws. Like I'm a real like hypochondriac and stuff like that. So my job was like taking my temperature every five minutes and like yeah. just being really worried. And then I started to homeschool my daughter to kind of get through it. Like when it was like, okay, you're not getting sick. I think we're okay. And so my mind went to like, okay, I'm going to preoccupy it with this. And, um, and then I went through kind of a grieving process of like, that's when I started to realize I hadn't had like a day off in so long. And I was already so sleep deprived from just, I was in the middle of shooting. I was almost halfway done with shooting the movie. And so I, it took some, like, um, like I started meditating. I started doing yoga. I started to try to do some self care because it was really like, I don't, I've never turned my mind off. I don't know how to do that. I, and I need to for my own health and sanity. And so now I feel like I'm on a little bit, I mean, I'm working a lot, but I feel like I'm doing the self care that I need to do to like, like I stopped going on Twitter. Cause I, I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go on once in a while, but it's like, you know, it's, and, and, and I, I try to donate as much as possible wherever, you know, we can't, to make things better but you know it's it's just like mentally it was like it was pretty hard yeah i can imagine and also you're sort of putting the brakes on w something that you're obviously passionate about which is the sh movie and now it's yeah. like now that just stops just cut off that yeah. line you know that must be really yeah. i mean luckily your daughter is probably like an endless source of not only like playfulness but learning yeah. that you're yeah. able to like find She's going to go back and be like, yeah. And then COVID happened and I had to go right into school. because <laughs> I mean, I have a bell and everything. Like, oh, I boy. Does she love it? Um, I loved school. When I was loves it. Like there's the five minute bell. Then there's the bell when school's yeah. starting and she comes in, she says goodbye to um, Mr. Ebbs, also dad. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Ebbs is the PE teacher. Um, and then there's a, we have a class of 11, like I take attendance, like she pulled from her London class and her, her, uh, uh studio city class, uh, classmates to make up a class. And she pretends to be these other people. I mean, like, it feels oh like, uh, if you're just living in make-believe though, that's like a fun, <laughs> no, you've made, that was sort of my mom's jam. Like she always made school fun to the point that I would come home from school and she would have school laid out for me. Cause I. I just loved the way she made it fun. 
like oh, instead of great. like instead of learning fractions we would like make a pie and then eat the pie in halves uh -huh. and quarters and like an eighths yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah eighths was tricky for me i'm not gonna lie but yes yes <laughs> Because uh, it was so small. If you're going to give me a piece of pie, give me a quarter at least. Yeah, you know? yeah. Gotta. <laughs> uh, but now I feel also that, that, you know, looking at your past trajectory of your career, um, that you could write a book called, like, I'm going to barf. Because yeah. it feels like there's so many chapters of your life where you have these opportunities come that you, that you seem to embrace. Like, have you ever had an opportunity that you were like, oh, that's, I'm going to have to turn that down. That's just too much for me. I think I did like when um uh when I was like nine months pregnant and I was working at New Girl and like I had this opportunity to work with someone who I admire and really wanted to work with and it was like can you go pitch to the studios at like nine months pregnant and I was like no I no. can't no that's not happening what so I just feel like that no yeah I mean I, I just like physically just could yeah. not like wrap my head around. I was like, I'm, I'm about to have a baby. No, I'm, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And I think if I'd love the story a little bit more, I might have been okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I kind of really like check in with my body when I, when I feel like I'm, I mean, I've talked, I've, there's been barf in, uh, every movie I think I've done, yeah. <laughs> but, Do you um, literally barf when you get nervous. No, no. no okay. That but would be I, awful. When I was younger, I would, you know, like, for a super small town and like never wanted to miss anything because like school was like where there was life and yeah. to do. And then I'm the fifth of seven kids. So I guess there was always like a little bit of chaos around me, but I would like get, um, I would get headaches and stuff like that, that, that would make me want, that would make me barf. So I do have childhood memories of like two, even if it was just twice where it was like, I barfed in public. Like I went to a skating party when I had a migraine and I felt like I was going to barf and I was on the bus to it cause I didn't want to miss a skating party. And I barfed like lasagna everywhere. Awesome. And you know, like, so, and it was public, it was like, Oh, people saw me do that. And I think I must, and, and then didn't forever until like college, maybe I was barfing cause I drank too much or something. Um, but, um, you know, but I do feel like that, and I've seen, I remember in my past seeing like, like other people barf, like Glenn Balma barfed in second grade. And it was like, you know, like, and in, in the classroom and stuff like that. So I think that's why it sort of stayed with me. Mm -hmm. But I do think that when I get so nervous, when I know something great is about to, yeah. like when it's a challenge and it's exciting and it's like, oh, you know, face the fear, fight through it or whatever. Um, and then I know like... I, I know I should be doing the thing. Yeah. When it's you know? so barf worthy that you think it's. Yeah. Really <laughs> but then what's the, I like, cause I get, um, my instinct is to get immediately sweaty. Like when I know huh? something's important, I just start going like, Oh, and I just get really warm. Um, but that doesn't usually make me go, Oh, this is exciting. That usually makes me just go, Oh, I feel gross. Like what, what is the process that you do in order to, to dive into those fears as opposed to dodge them. Well, I I also I often think that it's because um it's idea based. If there is an idea that I connect with, that I fall in lo love with, that that stays with me, I immediately can feel it, right? And that's yeah. not that's not barf related, but it's sort of like you know, like like it wasn't 
I started writing for myself because I was an actor who wasn't getting anything acting wise. So I started to write. And so that made me nervous, but it didn't make me like want to barf. But when Tina Fey is like, Hey, do you have a spec? Yeah. And I know Tina Fey is going to read it. Then I'm like, oh, right, God. Right. Well, um, you know, th- that's what makes me nervous. But because I love the idea so much or because I'm so passionate about wanting to like, the idea of even working with Tina Fey would just be a yeah. dream, right? So it's like, it becomes, that that, that want becomes so important yeah. that it doesn't matter, you know, like that. that's how you fight through it because yeah. you go, no, I, I, you know, one thing I am really good at is working hard. So like things don't just come natural to me. I had to work really hard at them to, to get, to get to a place. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, I, I wrote this movie that I'm directing right now, this Cinderella movie, and I've probably rewritten it. I'm still rewriting it. I mean, I, I rewrite it on the day. Like I, I mean, we're talking like dozens and dozens yeah. and dozens and dozens of drafts and I'm how many years into my career? Like you just, you have to just keep working hard. And so work, working hard doesn't scare me. Um, it's just that thing of like, you know, when you want, you know, when, when you, you want, want something, yeah. <laughs> when you go, because then you also sit, don't you sit back and be like, if, if I don't pursue this at this moment, I'm going to look back and be like, oh man, I, I let a little barf stop my dream. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know why, I've never talked about barf so much, well, but, but yeah, like, yeah. You imagine like you're watching 30 Rock going, if only I dug a little deeper. Yeah. And if, if I, you know, that's all, it's all comes down to fear, right? Like it's like not being afraid and uh, also understanding that you don't, that you don't know it all. You know, like I think being an improviser, like, you, you, you get taught an ensemble, like, you know, being a great team player and yes, ending and making everybody. So you just feel the safety net and that applies to your work. It was kind of like, you know, like Tina's an improviser, like, like, um, she's yes. ands by nature, like that's her thing. And so when she's saying like, Hey, yeah, come on. Yeah. I'm I'm taking you with. Yeah. What are you going to say? No, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You say yes. And you say, and I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to go because I know that you're, you know, and that's what she did. Like, you know, a lot of the first couple of, a lot of the first scripts I got, I wrote with her, you know, yeah. and, and learned how to, how to do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think also with improv, I'll never feel um, perfect as an improviser. Like I'll never go, well, I got that. I'm perfect. Doesn't it? Like I know those muscles really, really well, but I'll never have a show that I, can imagine going perfectly. Yeah. But that's you, have shows, you have shows that you love a lot and you're just like, that made you feel good. Yeah. But you still look back and go, oh yeah, I could have. That one little. Yeah. But let's not talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and there's so many people I think also, like you must have a true writer's um, heart is what I think because the instinct of going, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewrite that. I'm going to rewrite it. It's gonna, it can be better. I think come doesn't happen for everybody. Like I've written and my constant shock is my first draft isn't fine. Like I don't understand <laughs> why. And then I'll write with my husband and he'll go, yeah, let's do some rewrites. And I'm like, well, oh, you need some rewrites. <laughs> so that's what I know my muscles. That's not, that's not my passion. My passion is in, in producing and creating. But like when you discovered that you had a passion for writing, because you, inflicted yourself I know it's not an infliction for everybody but inflicted yourself with writing because you wanted to make work for yourself yeah for sure I mean 
I liked, it's a little bit different now, but like, I loved holding a script and being like, it's something tangible. Yes. Yes. But I didn't love was the feeling of being in a waiting room auditioning when I'm not that great of an auditioner. And I could look around and be like, you know, I think a strength that I have is casting. Like I, in my own projects, whatever, like I, I feel, and I would look around and I'd be like, I wouldn't cast me in this. I'd cast that person. Right. Like, I, I, I know her. She's funnier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know so, you want to see me, but see the next one. She's on top. Yeah. 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 I, I could write something for her, you know? Like, right. um, but once I, I was just like you at the beginning though, because, and I didn't learn to this idea of like rewriting and kind of savoring the rewrite until after I had been at 30 rock, because like Robert Carlock, who co-show ran the, you know, uh, show ran the show his scripts would come in and I'd be like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then we would like rewrite, like before the table, we'd rewrite it. And we, you know, we talked about it as a group and we write it, you know, and it'd be like a page one rewrite on his script. Then we would do the table read. Then we would rewrite it all over again, spend hours on jokes. Yeah. And then, and then we would um, go through and do cut passes. I mean, it was constant rewriting. Yeah. And so, that's that was the one of the greatest lessons was besides like story breaking was um this idea of like oh no scripts always can get better <laughs> like yeah. that 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 first draft is actually not great and like yeah. and that you have to be okay and i think when you're a novice writer like when i was at the beginning you just let fear overtake you and that's why you like no, no, I've already thought that through, but th it's there. It's in, it, you know, and then you start to go, oh no, okay, I see it. Like, I see how that can be better and it can always be sharper and it can, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was there a morning time when you had to, because when you worked with 30 Rock, you were, that was six years where you had to go, I'm not going to be an actor for six years. And was there a time that you kind of like, I don't know, not said goodbye, but had to sort of put, put that dream aside for a bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was really helpful that 30 Rock would win Emmys. I mean, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> Sorry. Because, you know, you're riding the horse in the direction it's going. Basically, at that point, you're just yeah. like, oh, yeah, like what I was learning on that show and, and just being a part of such a great show and, yeah. um, you know, was like so worth it. I would do like little things here or there, but I really did just like ride the horse in the direction it was going. And then, and then, I it was like, I blinked and it was six years later and, you know, um, and then went to write at new girl, but I was trying to do some, my, my own thing too. I mean, I'll act sometimes, but it's interesting. Like, I feel like now like there's a project that I'm like attached to be in, you know, like I always would say like when I did girl boss, I was like, Oh, I'm not, I don't want to be in the first season. I'm show running that. And, um, and I just want to make it as good as I can and blah, blah, blah. And I'll, I'll, I had a character that I was going to cast myself in for the second season. And then of course we didn't get a second season. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, it, I had to like say goodbye to it, mm -hmm. and, but I would improvise every Saturday in New York. Oh. Like, so oh, great. Yeah. So I mean, that's like, all you need sometimes. Like, I, can't, yeah. I just can't and imagine was, ever not performing. Can you? Um, well now I can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, though, aren't you uh, yeah. appearing or appearing daily, daily in uh, in your child's school performance? That's true. So that is true. There's always a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that it was called. Let's have a ball, and we would do it at UCB in New York every Saturday. 
and um, had really great audiences and stuff like that. And it was full of people who were actors or improvisers who had writing jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some of the most interesting um, sets for me to watch because they're so smart. They're not like, they're not overly physical. Like, like uh-huh. I know that you fell in love with Second City through Rachel Dratch, who I think is one of the most physically funny performers. Like she's just, she just embodies whatever character. But then you watch a set where it's full of writers and they're like, they're writing. You can hear them writing constantly yeah. on their feet. And, it's, it's and that was a little bit of the trick of like when you'd, you'd be writing all week and then you'd get, you'd come and perform and you had to like get that out of your, you had to try to shake that right. out of your head so that you, weren't, that you weren't writing, that you were in the moment and you weren't thinking about like, yeah. you know, um, forcing the scene to go in a place. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. We're doing my draft, my draft. <laughs> Yeah. Did you find uh, like when you headed into the world of writing, were you, did you embrace that instantly? Um, I think that the whole first season of 30 Rock, I would have, I'd be around the table, the writer's table, and I'd be having a conversation. I'd be having, I'd be a part of it. And then on the inside, I would be like, I can't believe it. I can't believe you're here. You're getting like, and every, every time I got a paycheck, I would like, take it and like take it to the bank and like sign it and like do the whole you know direct or like put it you know deposit it and just like be so grateful that i made it another week without getting fired and you know like so i didn't i and i remember sort of not complaining but just realizing i had so much to learn and that simple assignments took a long time you know like um not ideas. Ideas, I feel like I have all the time, right. you know, like, um, but it was just like jokes and different mm-hmm. jokes, structures and different, you know, that kind of thing. The actual act of like your final draft or whatever, that, that took a, took a bit for me to figure out. But then when I was constantly reminded, like writing is just ideas on paper. And Who so that, where's that gem from? I, so Tina Fey said that in a, uh, like, um, on a panel or something and Joe Kelly heard it. And then Joe Kelly said it to me. Um, well, let's but, just say it's Tina Fey's. I, I mean, yeah. it wouldn't but surprise I who, me. I don't know who Tina heard it from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but you didn't always want to be a writer. No, I wanted to be an actor in a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> but and, uh, it's so interesting because I know you started writing to produce something for yourself and here you are so many years into your career that you're like, now is your opportunity that you're writing something with for yourself. Yeah. I, I just think that, I just think that when I was 30 rock was just a really hard job. Like it was a time consuming 10 month out of the year thing. And when you had off, you wanted to be off. And I just kind of never took off because I, I helped on baby mama, um, after the first season of 30 rock. And then I sold pitch perfect. Like, and so I was writing pitch perfect while at 30 rock, you know, like, so Um, and again, like I, I always just say, I was just riding the horse in the direction it was going. It just kind of just kept going. Yeah. And, um, and then I would say things like when I was working on baby mama, I'd be like, Hey, if there's a role or whatever that I could be, you know, and the role just, just wouldn't come, (laughs) you know, like I just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, And do you think that people started seeing you as a writer first? Yeah. Because, and then they, there's a lot of people have no idea I used to perform, you know, and you're going to be like that discovered star. You'll be like in a movie, be like, oh my gosh, up and, up and comer, Kay Cannon. 
Like yeah. I'm in the first, like, uh, it's like the, in the first 10 minutes of how to be single, I, I have like a two minute scene at the beginning, like sort of in the cold open of the movie. And like, people have no idea it's me. Right. You know, like, and I, I did a bunch of commercials with Jane Krakowski. People have no idea it's me. You know, like, um, I'm in 30 Rock, like doing, playing three or four different characters. No one has any idea, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, which, but, but it's all, I don't know. I, I don't have, I have more of a passion to create things mm-hmm. and, do, and now to direct. Like, I think my, I think my real passion is directing. Did you know that? Cause you just, you're on your third project directing now? Uh, second. Second. So was that like a discovery? Cause I know you did blockers was your first. Was and first. then you were like, Oh, this is, this is a muscle I really like. Like, did you even know that you loved it as much as you would? Yeah, I did. And I, I just had such a respect for having for film school and for people who go to school for that, you know, like to me, it was kind of like, I could wrap my head around writing because as improvisers, we write, you know, like the process of doing a show. Yeah scripted show like you it's like I have written before I, I I get that but like at 30 Rock I wanted to direct and I just had fear yeah like of just like oh no I, I would uh, you know whatever you know yeah. and then and then um and then I feel when you are a showrunner like so when I did Girl Bros it's like being the showrunner you're best you're, you're the director of the directors I mean it's all coming through you yeah. so having done that and then having the offer to do blockers I was just like, yeah, I was so ready to do it. And I had been on set as a writer slash producer on set with the giving notes to actors since 30 Rock. Like, yeah. so it's sort of, it was in my DNA. I just, it was just a, like, oh, oh I, am I going to get the chance to do it? And then just, it was me stopping it. It was me. Like yeah. I've never asked, you know, I remember it being like brought up kind of as maybe jokingly, like maybe in the fifth or sixth season of 30 Rock and me quietly, like on the inside being like, yes, that's all I want to do. Yeah. But, no. <laughs> but, but not like, They're like good one, Kay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it not being real at all, you know, yeah. like, um, and just like overall fear. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, I mean, do you recognize qualities that you had as a kid that have, given you the skills you have right now like I know you come from like a big family and you love sports which I think always like if I saw that on a resume actually I think I would put that if I was looking to hire people like if they like sports and if they come because that's like collaboration recipe for me yeah I mean being the fifth of seven kids hands down helped me in the writer's room yeah because it is the in a writer's room it's the same 10 to 14 people (laughs) Um, talking about the same thing every day for like 12 hours a day. Right. So, and it's so like being around a big group of people that have different personalities and being, I was the kind of like a middle child, but the oldest of the babies. So right. if that makes any sense. So it's I like, I mean, it me- doesn't, I, I, I kind of get it, but then, <laughs> yeah, you had so like, like a young, you had an age difference, huh? Yeah. So Stacy, Paul, Vince, and Matt, like, are my older siblings and then two years later is me right and 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 so matt and myself are kind of in the middle right and but then my younger sister and brother are um my sister's only a year younger than me like it's almost irish twins like and then and then my younger brother so the three of us were kind of like i was the oldest of them yeah but then in the big whole picture i was kind of in the middle so there was a lot of like everybody okay like feeling people's energies and different personalities of which my fam- my siblings have we all have very yeah. different personalities 
was so helpful for me in a, uh, in a writer's room because it's like, I could just sense things. I have a self-awareness, you know, whatever. And then from directing, like being in sports and being competitive and athletic track really helped me a lot because on the same day I was a sprinter. So I would win a race and then lose a race on the same day. So you, you'd, you know, I didn't, I was good at it, but it's like, you're not going to come in first all the time. So you had to like, you had defeat and you had victory and you had to overcome that in a very short period of time. So like with directing, it's like, there's all sorts of challenges and you just had to move past them. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, um, and, and in creating anything, like everything's all, like is, it can be really hard. And so, but like having that mental, like, I just don't fatigue easily. And no, I you really don't. Going. <laughs> I have to say that from the interviews that I've heard about you even speaking to you now, like, it feels like, like you just got this gig. Like you still, like, I, I know that feel. I remember walking into second city and looking at those pictures of like Catherine O'Hara and being like, okay, like this is my home now. And I still have that feeling like whenever I'm like getting to do what I love to do, but I feel like you've had that through like, like working with Tina Fey, like you're still like, oh, look what I get to do. <laughs> like, it's, and it's such a beautiful, like, I think you're part of this new generation of joy in our community. Oh my gosh. Like I really so do. Nice. I really do Aww. feel that. And I think there was a past generation of people going, this is hard. Comedy's hard. And I'm like, is it? Or is it super fun? <laughs> like, well, I think like with, with you, if you fall into gratefulness, you know, right? Like it's about being grateful because I would say this when I, especially I remember saying this when, um, when I was doing Pitch Perfect at the same time as 30 Rock, I, I would, there'd be a beautiful day in New York. I lived in the West Village. It was just like, really, do I have to go in my fucking house, my apartment and just write all day, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, and I would say to myself, I get to do this. I get to do this. I get to do yeah. this. I get to do I would say that. I'd be like, I get to. And I know there are people who don't get to and, or, or not even just people who are in whatever job they're in that they are unhappy with and wish they were in a different job. You know, like, yeah, I do feel, I do we're feel so like they're lucky. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. Like, and I get and to be lucky a, like a small percentage of the time in comparison to you, but I still feel like the, like I, I'd rather be lucky for that chunk of time than none chunk of time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's proper. <laughs> you quote me on that. <laughs> uh, did, do you remember when you like, cause Okay, so you're doing 30 Rock and Pitch Perfect, which is mind-blowing to have those two projects going on at the same time. And then, and then you were doing like Baby Creation and New Girl. Like you were always overlapping all your projects. Do you yeah. remember the time when you're like, I need to dive in and get an assistant. I need to actually treat my career with like the impact that it's having on my life. Well, you know, when I signed an overall deal with 20th when I worked at New Girl. So you like you work on a 20th show at sort of like that, pays off your deal right. while you create shows. So I had, I had sold a show when, when I had my daughter, I had sold a show to CBS. That's part of your deal. The overall deal is you're creating shows, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd sold, I'd sold this idea to CBS. So there was a lot of, uh, overlap, but when you sign an overall deal, you get an assistant. Was, how was that for you? Cause well, it was weird because yeah. I had, um, uh, I've only had assistants who are near and dear to me, to me, um, until, until just recently. Um, I hired like one of my dearest friends, like, uh, Brian Shortall was my first assistant 
And I just, I didn't even know how to like utilize right. him, you know, like, yeah. um, and then, and then I, and what I try to do is I try to mentor as much as I can or help as much as I can. And so I did end up hiring Brian to, as a staff writer on girl boss, yeah. um, to try to like get him in the meetings and all that kind of stuff. And then I hired Irene Marquette, um, who I love and, um, she was, and then I, and then I started KNL Productions with my producing partner, Liver McKinnon. And now Irene is our coordinator of our company. Right. And so then so this only this last go, like she was my assistant for maybe like three or four years or something. And then, and then this last go was kind of like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to interview somebody to be my yeah. assistant. Um, and I ended up hiring, um, uh, Catherine Risk, who's amazing. And, um, uh, but, but that was like the first time it wasn't like a friend, like a, a lifer friend, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But just seeing like your life must have done this like reek from like, I don't know, like sweet, uh, sweeping off beer bottles from a stage, uh, in yeah. like, Chicago boom or boom Chicago. And then suddenly you're like, wait a second, I have to hire an assistant. Like it's how weird. is that transition? Or do you even know it's that you're weird. in that? Well, no, I did because I, I hesitated to do it for so long. And, and I think because I would only hire like friends, it's like, it's, I wasn't doing it like the proper, right. I mean, like, you know, you try to, maybe you try to have your assistant not be someone who knows you <laughs> inside and out. Right. Um, um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't ask a lot from, you know, like, that's why everybody wanted to work with you. We're like, she never. She never even puts you to work. And then she can do a writing job. Writing and maybe, you know, whatever, some once in a while. Now it's like, I need this, I need that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because um, I couldn't have, uh, Catherine hadn't worked with me long enough to go to London to get a visa for London. They have like oh, all sorts of stipulations. So Irene ended up coming with me. Like it was like back to the old times right. of, um, uh, because I didn't want to just have like somebody who doesn't know me, you know, like I was moving my whole family out there and there yeah. was a lot of personal stuff going on. Um, so we, Irene and I have just had this crazy experience of like with the pandemic and yeah. coming back together and, you know, uh, flying back here to the States together and all that. It's just yeah. been nuts. It feels like you've had a great bubble like your team around you as you've moved through your chapters has been great. Yeah. Just like, so and I know that like, oh. that's because you probably attract that being the person you are. Has there any, has there been a time that you've had to like go, go on? Like I have to, I have to steer away from that person or steer away from that. Cause it's, it's taking away as opposed to feeding you. No, I can't. And you don't have to drop any names. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, is, I, it, I is it Steve? I don't know who Steve is. <laughs> um, but I think it's hard. Steve quotes. Right? That um, guy, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I just think sure. it's hard. Like you suddenly, like you have to take charge of your life. And I think that's not always an easy path. Yeah. I've been really blessed with some wonderful, great people who have been around me. Um, so I can't even think of someone. I am certain there's creatively, there's probably been some creative energy suckers where it doesn't totally work out or it's not a match, you know, mm -hmm. especially going into a, a producing where we have a bunch of different projects and you try to do your best. Um, uh, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always go your way or, or maybe it's just not a good match. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's no, I mean, I'm divorced. Does that count? Like, 
Um, I mean, they're all that fine now too. So no, no, you're sorting it out. Um, It just seems like you have a, like, I remember hearing a guy speak once and he said, I choose to having um, a strategy of positivity and of gratitude. And it really clicked for me because, because I think I'm a positive person, but I've never thought of it as a strategy. I've Mm -hmm. thought of it as just, and actually I've thought of it almost as the detriment sometimes because people are like, oh, Naomi, she's so positive. I'm like, no, I'm not. I could be negative. Wait a second. What have I done? So who, who gave you that, that muscle? Who uh, taught you that that was an important way to? Yeah, I think I'm just optimistic by nature, you know? Um, and I think, I think that's so interesting that you did that because I, I would kind of do that too, where I'd be like, no, because it's an implication yeah. that you're boring or something that, or that yeah. you're, or you're not being truthful. Like yeah. no one, no one is always like that. Yeah. And I think that, I, I think that I, um, share every emotion. I have no poker face. Like if you're pitching me something, it's like, they used to tease me at 30 rock where I, I like, if I like something, I'm like, you really know, I like it. Like I'm mm-hmm. really into it. And then if there's something that's sort of confusing me, it's like, I freeze. And I'm like, I do. like when you're um, watching shows, I have to have my friend will nudge me and she'll be like, look at your face. Yeah. Cause I'll be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just an open so, book. So Right. And, and I feel like when you are that way, like, I feel like there's an honesty there. You attract more positive people because you're being honest or you're over communicating or you're connecting yeah. whatever. Um, I just would much rather live in that. And it's not that I don't bitch and vent. I do. I do all those things. But no, you're human. I, yeah. But I do them and then you can move on and you get perspective. I, a big part of my growing up was always about tone. And it's something I'm really trying to teach my daughter. It's like, it always comes down to tone and you can really hurt someone's feelings by your tone. And when, when I feel someone is tone deaf to me, like, they may even be like, um, you just really got to change this first act. You know, it's like, okay, your tone is terrible. Your notes are great, but your tone sucks so bad that you're making me feel so tiny and so like un- incapable of doing the, the work. Yeah. And you realize, okay, that this person just has a tonal problem. Like they just don't get how they're being perceived. And so yeah you know, they're, they're angry all the time, or maybe that's their deal. That's their cost to bear. So yeah, yeah. it's not on yeah. you. <laughs> it's not on me. Right. But if you said, like, if you could say, um, I mean, you just have to change the first act or, Hey, uh, can we have a look at the first act? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my God. For days, yeah. for days, yeah, for days. Like, you know, and, and I, and I just got off a call where I was like a, a really green writer and um of, of something i love like an idea that i love and i was like the best news is that you can write dialogue like that's great it's yeah something that can't be taught you need we need to do work on story like yeah. it's like we need to re-break the story kind of nothing happens you know like so so it's like, <laughs> and, and i was like that's okay it takes a long time to yeah. figure out story as opposed to being like uh nothing happens in the 35 pages that you wrote so i'm having a really hard time yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. on my desk uh, at nine o'clock Click eh. Yeah. Remember click eh? Remember dial tone? Oh, anyway. yeah. You know if someone's lying if they say then they hung up the phone. That's like, <laughs> like, really, what phone? Right? Uh, yeah, that's so, I think you're so right. And I think, uh, I, I don't know, that's just an instinct. I think that's an instinct that you have that's really led you well. Because having that kind of thing of like recognizing the value of dialogue as opposed to going, dialogue, forget about it. Let's look at the problems that you've got. 
Yeah. Like you must I have had I, mentors I really around love, you. Yeah. I really love, I mean, I, I don't know if you've read the, the book. Um, uh, I think it's called how not to give a fuck. I think that's what it's called. Oh. Um, but it's, but it's something like that. But okay. what's, really, what's really great about it, you can kind of read, no offense to the writer, but you can kind of read like the first 10 pages and you're like, okay, I get it. I totally okay. get it. <laughs> great. Really I'm not a strong reader. So that's really good. <laughs> um, but it, or it's, I, it, I don't think I'm getting the title right, but in essence, it's that we're all problem solvers and it's like, which problems do you want to solve? That is your um, guide to happiness. So it's like, I really wanted to be a mother, like so bad in my core and my soul. My daughter has brought me so much happiness. I am willing and want to solve problems that require, like when she had that head, foot, head, mouth, what, mouth, Disease. foot, the foot. Yeah, horse, she had problems with her head and mouth. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever this, uh, hand, hand, foot, and mouth, hand, foot, yeah. mouth, something she got a week into preschool. I was okay being up all night with her because right. I want to solve that problem. And so like, I really like solving story problems. I really like, like that fuels my soul. I think that's where you get like a lot of joy yeah. out of, of solving those kind of problems. And it brings like a lot of happiness. Yeah. So. It's the problems that like, um, like, you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation, that communication problems that actually wear me. Like when I'm, when we're having the same conversation, just about communication, it's like, why are we still talking about this? As opposed to a conversation about breaking a story or yeah. that kind of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the moment that you felt like you could call yourself a, a writer, or like, do you remember when you were? Because I feel like that yeah. ownership is such a big step in artists' lives. Yeah, I don't think I really embraced it until after I had left Thirty Rock. Like, it wasn't until um, it wasn't until like New Girl time where I was given more responsibilities and I was like running a room and. I wrote like the first draft of the first uh, script of the second season, because that was when you're with Tina Fey and Robert Carlock and that all those writers who are amazing, you can kind of feel like a fraud the whole. Yeah. Because you're just How like, did you oh. get through that? I like that kind of, you just got to double, you just got to constantly go like, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. Like, I yeah. think this is a good, I think my, my drafts got better every time I had, got a script I worked really hard. I understood things more. I was, I was, you know, I, I was able to, I felt, I always felt like I contributed because I knew that world really well. And again, like ideas are easier for me than, mm -hmm. than actual writing, but you know, like I just got, I just knew that I got stronger and stronger and stronger. Is but that just yet, based on instincts? Just, like I hate to, I just want to know that how you recognized your victories. Is that you like stepping back and going, Hey, I got that as opposed to, you know, like I think yeah. we quickly push aside our victories to recognize the things we have to work on. Yeah. Like, you know, like the first time I wrote an outline, it was like probably a hot mess. And then, but then, but I would really study everybody else's outlines and, you know, and keep going. And then the draft or whatever, learn, 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 learn. And then it was like sec my second script is like when I got the outline, like, you know, the, it's like, oh, now I, I get it more. Yeah. And it did, it wasn't as hard as the first go round. And it just kind of eased, not that it's not still hard because that bar was so high. Like you had to, yeah. the third you had to like put it, your outlines had a gazillion jokes. Your outlines were like 10, 11 pages long. Yeah. So um, for a half hour, you know, for a 22 minute. <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, comedy. But yeah, but it's, I think it's like, they were like mama and papa and like, I was the baby bird. And then like, when I went to new girl, it was like, oh, okay. I'm like out of the nest and I'm flying. Right. Yeah. You can sort of go, oh, I, I, I actually know this nest now. Yeah. I'm a writer and like pitch yeah. perfect. 
come out. I'll never forget Pitch Perfect came out when I was at New Girl. And then that Monday, JJ Philbin, do you know JJ Philbin? Yeah. Um, uh, um, yeah. Uh, great writer. She was on the, the staff at the time and she passed my office and like it did, it, it came out in limited pitch perfect came out in like only so many theaters, but did surprisingly well, like did yeah. like, like, I don't even know, like six It was like the perfect gem yeah. of a movie at the time that everybody needed it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was like, it, it like per theater, it like did great or something yeah. like that before it opened wide. And so there was a lot to sort of celebrate, but I was in my office cause I think I was working on a script and I was like eating a bagel. Like I was like hair, makeup, not done, you know, like whatever. <laughs> and she walks by and she actually came back and like recorded me. She's like, this is what Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her go, you know? Yeah. Um, but I still like, even though like a movie had been made that I had written, I still, you still don't, you, you always kind of feel, I think it's good to always feel like you're a little bit of a fraud. Yeah. It fuels you. Yeah. I think so. I think it's like what you just said was like, okay, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. Like I hope, I think that's when we start to feel like we're frauds is when we pretend that we know more than we do. And I don't know a lot about a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like if you started testing me on improv, I'd be like, ah, oh, I got this. But there's a lot that I don't know. And I have, if I can say it out loud, it sure takes the pressure off. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so good. So if somebody's, I don't know if you've ever had this. I've definitely had it. You're doing an improv show and you catch somebody rolling their eyes behind in the back line. Yeah. It's like somebody who's like a, a really good improviser or something or, you know, or a great improviser. And they just feel like they have nothing to learn. Right. Uh, and that they, they just know it all and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, it's like the, my least favorite people to improvise with oh there's so um, much like yeah there's so many of those like little moments on improv that you're like just get, go go you're ruining yeah. my stage <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and while, while you're sitting there judging this person who's struggling in a scene right now yeah go in and like, help yeah 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 I mean I love improv for those sticky moments too I think like that's also taught me how to be like I remember uh um who's I I think I was just talking to Maybe, maybe your friend Karen Grazzi and uh, talking about like when I learned how to tap myself back in if I didn't feel like my scene was finished. Uh -huh. Like you'd be doing an improv and somebody would tap you out and be like, that wasn't done. I, w I just yeah, got right. my premise out. And then I realized like, wait, I'm just going to tap myself back in. <laughs> and I was like, I'm the boss of me. Uh, you remember? It's hard. Yeah. That's a good lesson that you learned to do that. Yeah. I mean, it was last week. Okay. I'm not going to lie. It took me some time. to. Well, I was just telling someone, this is, you know, pre COVID when people got massages, but I was like telling a story about how I was on vacation and I went to get a massage and it was on a heated bed and it was supposed to be like relaxing, whatever. And I was so hot. Right. And, and they were, and they said at the beginning, they're like, if it's too hot, please let us know, whatever, you know, like, and like pressure stuff. I was a 44 year old woman <laughs> who wouldn't tell the masseuse that yeah. I was too hot. Yeah. And I was like having a panic attack. I was like, not feel whatever. And then it wasn't until like, well into the massage that I was like, you know, it is a little bit too hot, whatever. It's like, I'm 44. <laughs> like why he, they said, tell us, yeah. you know, I don't, I didn't, didn't oh, I don't wanna, want to, uh, oh, I don't want to offend the masseuse yeah. or like, yeah. it's and like I know when somebody's doing your hair and they're like, is, tell me if it's too warm. I'm like, oh, 
it's kind of burning me. (laughs) It's burning my skin is not a good time to like earlier would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I don't, I don't want to give like a, like, Oh, pour me uh, in a massage, but it's just the example (laughs) of like, of just, you know, like how we don't speak uh, for whatever reason we still go in or I still go into like a sometimes fear-based, uh, you know, like, uh, it just all depends on the dynamic, you know, I, cause I, I think like in, in, in improv, I would, I would probably still struggle like directing, I'm directing this big studio movie right now. And it's like, I have no problem saying things to whoever, right. You know, did you learn that skill on set? Like, was there a moment that you're like, Oh, I'm not as a director, I'm not putting up with that stuff anymore. I just think I learned it. Um, well, I think I've always been very vocal Mm -hmm. about my feelings, like regardless of where I was. Um, but I just, you know, I just know how much, how hard I work and how, how much thought has been put into it. And, and so to be quiet is not the choice. Right. And again, if you, if you are okay with the tone, like if you know how to, you know, get people's best work from them, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's like a skill that you kind of, you have to always learn. And that goes back to like being in the middle of a bunch of family members. And you You have to speak to each of those siblings differently to get what you want. Yeah. Which is like a set. But I, I, but I would fail then (laughs) and I, I learned, okay, all right. If I had just done it this way, and so I'll do it that way now in the real world, in the real world, uh, with, uh, with someone who I don't even know that well or whatever, you know? Yeah. Do do you remember that moment in, um, in the writer's room in 30 rock when you got your first big laugh on something that you read? Uh, no, uh, -uh. just too nervous. The whole time, six years of nervousness. Did you ever feel like you're like, oh yeah, this is my, I'm in the groove. Uh, no. How did your, how did your, I mean, it was deal with that. Yeah, no, it was stress. It was stressful. Yeah. I remember like being on the subway and taking my hair thing out and looking at a clump of hair. <laughs> I have done that before, where I'm like, oh, something. That's a big sign when. Yeah. Like that's but, what you're stressed. You're stressed. But then you can't like, what did you do about that? Cause it's not like you'd be like, Hey Tina, I'm going to, I got to do some self care this week and take the, yeah, no, you just got to put a hat on. You powered through, you know, yeah. and, and no one walks the walk like more than Tina. So right. it's like, you know, and Robert Carlock, like they just work nonstop. Were people uh, around you worried for you? Like <laughs> for, no, because we were had, all like, patches of hair. No, we were all, yeah, it, I was okay. But yeah. we were all going through the same thing. Like yeah. every, every writer on there, like, um, you knew it was lightning in a bottle in a, in a lot of ways because it was such a special show mm-hmm. and you knew, like, you were so grateful to be there and everybody, like a lot of the writers were away from their families because we shot, we were in New York and they were LA writers, you know? Um, and so I just think every, everybody was going through the same thing. Yeah. Know? Um, and and when you wrote, um, pitch perfect, do you feel like that was, I mean, it's not the story, but do you feel like that was the a story that you needed to tell? Well, yeah. Cause I, I, I felt like I remember being in the writer's room. This is separate from Mickey Rapkin writing the book, but I remember being in the writer's room when we did a joke about twofer. Mm-hmm, um, right. Right. And, and I didn't know about the acapella world. And I remember Brett bear who, who, uh, co-ran new girl mm-hmm. and I ended up working with Brett again Brett turned to me because I got really excited I was like wait there's actually like groups and they compete and 
you know, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm an athlete who like, to me, Pitch Perfect is a sports movie and yeah. it will always yes. be a sports movie. Yeah. And, um, and Brett turned to me and he goes, there's your movie. And, and that on lunch break or whatever, like I went and looked up different acapella groups mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then like a year and a half later went by separate of that, uh, where, uh, Elizabeth Banks husband, um, got the Pitch Perfect book. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we, we connected on that, but I just felt like music and, you know, I, 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 I say before every day of shooting, uh, before we do our first shot at, uh, for the Cinderella movie, I'd scream out jokes and songs. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. Do you do that every day? Is that the every thing that, do you have like, um, do you do that on every set that you leave? No, on, on all the sets I do. Here we go. Here we go. Um. <laughs> But uh, it's, it's sort of like game time or whatever. Right. Jill Soloway does, I think, a, a group like hand-holding thing. You do oh, jokes and songs, everybody. Jokes yeah. and songs. And, and when I, whenever, I, whenever I shout it, like uh, Camila Cabello, who's playing Cinderella, like she, would, she shouts it back. It just gets everybody Love like, it. let's remember yeah. your jokes and songs. Yeah. And so Pitch Perfect is just like, that's, that's like... I'm not, I'm not surprised. I was like, so wanting to do that story because I, that's how I feel. I feel like jokes and songs, jokes and songs with the competitive, it, uh, you know, and a compelling lead lady, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, jokes like, and songs and a compelling leading lady, everybody it would catch on. I'm sure it could. Yeah. Cause uh, do you sing as well? I did back in the past. I would not call myself a, uh, but would you call yourself like somebody who would, sing in public I'm not gonna when ask I you. was in high school and college I sang oh, okay. I, I did musicals and stuff but now it's so crazy because I will full-on sing in front of all these incredible singers like Billy Porter and Adina Menzel like and Camila and and I just will because I'll be like on this part you know no 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 you know and I'll be like I can I'm like singing in front of Adina Menzel <laughs> what am I doing yeah and um and I'll say that to her and she'll start yeah. laughing or whatever uh uh but I don't care. It's, it's no, I think yeah. everybody should sing. I really, I think everybody should do improv and everybody should sing. Uh -huh. My father is so toned that once one Christmas I made everybody go caroling to old age homes. And my father was like, so tone deaf. He was like silent night, <laughs> holy night. And you can see all these like little ladies, like looking really hopeful and then slowly turning their hearing aids down just as they passed. And, but I think everybody, I think it's so good for your, Heart. What was your favorite musical that you were in? Um, beep, bop, boop. Uh, I was in Working. I really liked that a lot. I played the waitress and the housewife in Working. I don't. Oh, is uh, that um? Uh, is that a Sondheim? I don't know Working. I don't remember. Oh, I'm gonna have to get uh, my fact checkers on that one. Um, or are you at your computer right now? Yeah, I don't know if I should be doing that right now. Oh, right. Oh, Studs Turkle. Based off Studs Turkle's book. I don't know. I don't think I know working. Um, and then uh, I can't even remember. I think it's called Smoke on the Mountain. It was something I did in regional theater. Yeah. I, and where it was like this this band or whatever. But And I loved being in that musical because my thing was I didn't, my character was just the comic, comic relief. Like yeah. I didn't, I, I sang a little bit, but I, I would sign all the songs. And her <laughs> signing was like ridiculous, you know, like oh. we're, like, like hanging you know oh, like, like improv signing yeah yeah because okay, if you also added the skill of being able to sign I'd be like oh, no, oh, no, I'm no. out I'm out 
I don't want to, ha- I don't want to wrap this up because I find you entirely captivating and kind and I'm so happy to have time with you, but we can't make this a six part episode. So. Yes. <laughs> and I know you have a little dancing girl in the background that you need to play with. So every once in a while yeah. you see this little like happy little dance. And, um, I'm going to wrap it up with some not rapid fire questions, but condensed questions. Um, okay, great. What do you want to be best known for? Um, providing entertainment that is full of jokes and songs and that's accessible to the masses, but then also like makes change in how you make view something. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're doing that. Two words to describe your mental state right now. (laughs) Two words. Um, um, frantically Zen. (laughs) (laughs) I live that chaotically beautiful. Um, what, if this was a movie, if your life was a movie and this was the final scene, what is the climax turning point of your movie? Based on my real life? Yeah. Um, the turning point would be when I retire. Oh, okay. Because that would mean I'm, I'm seconds away from death. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't really imagine you retiring. You'll be like writing your memoirs, fade out, and then you'll go. Um, My husband and I, like in the notebook, just in the bed together. Oh God. <laughs> deciding to die together. So beautiful. Uh, what's something that people don't know about you? Um, I don't know. I'm oh, such an open book. book. Um, that I didn't. <laughs> now I'm glad I waited. That I. Oh, this is. I don't even know. This is probably so lame. That I. 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 I didn't want a son. <laughs> I'm so happy I have a daughter. <laughs> that's terrible. That's terrible. That's not, that's not, I don't know. Girls are way better. There's nothing terrible about that. You're, you're exactly right. Uh, what has been your best mistake, your favorite mistake? Hmm. Favorite mistake. Um, I, uh, uh, failing in acting. Wow. I, I, if, if you have failed in acting, I don't understand what success is. Because <laughs> that looks like you've actually, what was the failure? Like an actual, like an actual moment? I mean, just not getting, you know, just not, um, uh, you like know. Like booking maybe. the thing, so you had to write. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha you yeah. now. Um, what, uh, what's one thing that helps you regroup when you're feeling unbalanced? Um, working out. Um, you're right. Uh, <laughs> you're getting all these right so far, just so you know. It's like, yeah, 10 out of 10. <laughs> what is something that you haven't done, but you know you have to do before the end? Um, I, I th- I'd like to write a book, I think. Yeah. What would yeah. it be? What kind of book? Um, I hope it'd be something really funny and also emotional. Um, but uh, I do, I've joked about different, what things would be like that I, I wouldn't want to share right now because it's kind of like making fun of something. 
Um, but uh, I got time for it all. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like, I think writing a book about like about mistakes or choices are, are, is an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I know I, I've, I've been balancing my brain a little bit by doing like art, visual arts. And I made one that said, that's called beautiful mistakes. Oh yeah. I yeah. I feel yeah. like that we need to celebrate that more so that we're not so scared. Yeah. There's a great children's book called beautiful oops. Oh. And, it, and it like shows like mistakes and like how it, and you flip the page and now it turns into something. Oh, like, I love that. Oh, I'm going to, I don't have kids, but I'm going to look up on my reading. Uh, my final, my final question is that uh, what's advice you would give to your younger self? Um, sleep better, sleep better. Cause I think like, or no, I, I would give some better advice than that. Cause I can, I can, I can function on sleep, a, a lack of sleep pretty well. Um, don't um just live for the guy just live for like, the guy don't don't live for the guy oh like, okay I, that would have really messed with my brain if you said no, live for the guy no like i would um i was raised catholic and i was kind of like you have to be in love with this person if you're gonna be intimate with this person or you should be married or whatever like i stayed in relationships for a really long time I was like a serial monogamous or whatever, but because, but I would just really kind of like give it over to that person and live for that person. And it wasn't until like my divorce where I was like, Oh, I, I'm actually like making choices and doing living for me. Yeah. So I had, I definitely had that mentality of like, you give it over to, to them. Yeah. Even if I was doing my own thing, I still would, how do I make that person happy? How do I, you know, and same these. Same yeah. with divorce and everything else. Like that, yeah. It, and really? then when, yeah. As soon as I got second city and started doing something for me, I, it all fell apart. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, mine too. I mean, there were problems beforehand, but kind of mine too. Yeah. Like when I was like sort of financially independent and had my own job and, you know, found your uh, own path. Yeah. I yeah. remember like the wife I was before was like, I was really good at planning our trips and scrapbooking. Uh -huh. And then I was like, oh, wait, I, this is, this is me. This is who I can be. And then it yeah. kind of fell apart. And it's so nice now. I, 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 I would imagine the same for you, but like my, you know, husband now, my partnership now and how we, you know, it's, it's such a, it's so yeah. great. It's so, yes. it's, yeah. Yeah. And you're also like, it, I mean, live and learn, right? We're all learning from and it wasn't yeah. a mistake. I mean, yeah, like my ex was a great guy and it was the time was that time for us. And then it stopped being our time. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think that's a great thing to tell people as kids is like not to, not to put it all, it, like not live for the guy or the girl or the other person, like invest in yeah. yourself. Invest in yourself. Um, yeah. I really think, I do really believe that you are developing a generation of kind, funny people. And I can tell you that because I've, talk to Karen Grazzi and Emily Schmidt and people that are such your champions for the champion that you are for them. So you're doing like, you're leaving a legacy that's beyond your movies because you're like feeding so many other legacies. It's amazing. Oh, thank you so I much. I truly believe that. that. Yeah. I, I feel like um, this is like therapy where I paid you to say these nice oh, things. No, I because speak, it, because I'm speaking it feels so good. It's so okay. nice. You know? I absolutely <laughs> speaking from my heart. Like you sort of, you know, when I'm, 
like I've been doing these podcasts for a while, but it's all new to me and I'm figuring it out and I'm, and I, and I sort of invest in like researching somebody, but then having the chat with Karen and Emily and I'm like, Oh, you're, you're an extraordinary person. Like you have given people the leg up that they need to feel good about what they're doing. So like you're the ripple effect of the Canon ripple effect will be known forever. (laughs) I do believe that. And I think the more that we can have, because then you know, like the more that people learn from you to do that to other people, we're going to be so much better off, so much better off. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. And I know you've got a billion things in your head. So I so appreciate your time right now. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This was so nice. It's really um, great. But when this is over, I'll, I'll, uh, I don't know, buy you a cocktail or a coffee or some sort of something and celebrate uh, uh-huh. who you are. <laughs> uh, but thank you. Okay, I think I can safely say I speak on behalf of me and my editor, Sydney Nielsen, that this is officially one of our favorites, right, Sydney? Can confirm. I know she's going to put something in that says, right, Naomi, I just know it. (gasps) And you were right again. I got you. I just loved speaking with her. And also, we got to spend like a good hour together. What a treat. She's deep in uncharted territories right now, making movies during a pandemic adapting and figuring out how to work safely and just on this massive scale too. And she also, with all that going on, raising a kid, you know, writing and doing everything that Kay Cannon does, she also had time to talk to us, which is amazing. She's just impressed the pants off our entire team. Everybody who's listening to this in the core, they keep sending me texts going, this is an amazing interview and what an amazing person. Her voice and her energy and her sentiment is already reverberating within not only the core of the firecracker department team but i'm sure it's reverberating to you tell me tell me what resonated for you i'd love to hear what uh, what stuck out i know there's something that stuck with you from Kay's encyclopedia of knowledge and wisdom so let us know follow k at kk cannon it's k-a-y-k-a-y cannon and then you're over there anyway why don't you follow firecracker dpt and let us know what your highlights were from this new episode and if you've got a second while you're online why don't you pop on over to the uh, apple podcast there and leave us a review because our community is always growing but finding new ears and voices it just gets easier with every review we get so that would be great Stay tuned also to Kay's social media for updates on the production of Cinderella during the pandemic. And hopefully we'll get to see it in the next year in 2021. Hey, if you're a writer and you're like, I gotta write more, I gotta put aside time every day or every week, we have the writing department writing burst workshop, which we meet every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 3 p.m. Pacific Time. And we write, we take an hour, we do writing bursts for like one, two, three minutes. We talk about what we're writing, we read stuff that we're writing, and it just becomes a really fun writing workout. So if that's something that you're looking for, look us up, Firecracker Writing Department on Facebook, and then the event is in the event listings. And if you get lost, just go over to firecrackerdepartment.com for all the information. Gotta give a shout out to Winnie, Winnie Wong, who not only is our publicist for Firecracker Department, but she also co-produces the podcast with myself and Sydney Nielsen. She's fantastic because she'll book somebody like Kay Cannon and then she'll write to me and be like, we got Kay Cannon! Like she's so excited and, and she's so dedicated to making sure we have diverse voices and giving platforms for all the voices, which I'm really proud of. 
I just want to let you know that there is something for everyone within the firecracker department. And if you're not already part of our firecracker members group over on Facebook, why not? You should be. It's super fun. And it sort of is our central hub for connecting with each other. It's kind of like what I say is, these are your people. Come and find us. This is where you'll hear about what's going on in all the departments and also meet some fabulous firecracker people from all over the world. So get in on that action. Mondays are FDTV. That's Firecracker Department Television. We have a writing group that meets on Thursday, so you can be part of that as well. Come one, come all. And then Sundays, we do a community brunch on Zoom so everybody can come, meet some of your people, hang out, and then pop over to our wellness department for an amazing meditation live on Instagram and Facebook. I'm telling you, we're busy and there's something for you. There's a department and a seat for everyone at the firecracker table. You just have to pull up a chair because really we've been waiting for you. So come on in and join the community. Stay in the loop and subscribe to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. I'm really glad you're here. Big, huge, massive, gigantic, big-hearted thank you to the whole Firecracker team. Oh my gosh, everyone in Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, and all the way over in the UK. And we've got some Firecrackers that are humming over in New York or hoping to start a chapter over there as well. Thank you to the core members that really make everything work. And then we're going to do a whole new episode on Tuesdays. Yeah, we don't stop. Because we know that this stuff is important. It gives folks platforms for your voices, for your stories. And thanks to you for taking the time to listen. Because you know what? There's a lot of options out there. And there's a lot of information. So we're really thrilled that you chose us. Let us know what you're working on. Let us know how we can help. Because I always say, we're one better if you're here. I'm Naomi. And we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department. Bye.